at some time in the uh, in the year 2022, here we are recording this episode. It's a random statement, but I yes. don't really know how else to start it. <laughs> how, let's start over. People probably already knew that. Who do you think is going to win this NBA Finals series? Oh, I think Golden State. Really? Oh, yeah. If it was the Heat, would it be a different story? No, I think Boston is a better matchup with Golden State. Oh, okay. But you I still do think, think Golden, Golden State's. State. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. How many more years do Clay, Draymond, and uh, I think I think Steph, Steph have. Curry has five championships in him, so I think he gets two more. He's got three. Oh, he's got five total. Got yeah, it. Five total. Well, maybe on a separate podcast we'll discuss the uh, how does greatness equate to NBA championships? Because <laughs> the whole Bill Russell thing—I mean, that's just an interesting. Oh, and I got to believe many of our listeners would be very intrigued to hear our opinions on that. I talked to Michael Klutz today on the phone, and he said that he always appreciates when we go on tangents that apply to one person. And <laughs> this is for and you, it Michael. Might Klutz. be for Michael right now. Oh, it is. That's that's a great point. Yep. Well, Rev, we're in uh, week twenty-four of reading through the Bible in a year, and now we're in the we're we're getting about half. We just crossed the halfway point, or at least readers will cross the halfway point this upcoming week. That's a milestone of read through the Psalms. Oh, kind of, kind of uh, halfway through the Bible. Close, maybe. Well, fifty-two weeks. I mean, we're kind of I mean, mapping out there. So six, it, in, in, we're six months in. So, like in two weeks, yeah, yeah. That's pretty legit. There you go. People, I've actually heard from people that they've been uh, pleasantly surprised by the Psalms. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I was talking to somebody the other day, and somebody who really likes history and narrative, and they had mentioned in it that actually they like they like to change the pace a little bit, mm. even if it's 150 chapters. Mm. But you made a good point. The chapters are a lot shorter oh, than a lot, lot shorter. Of, a lot of the other Until narratives. Until you get so to 119. Come on now. <laughs> That's right. So last week we talked about Psalms 51 through 75, and we, as we've been kind of doing the Psalms a little bit differently than the previous books, we've been focusing in on one specific theme mm-hmm. each week that the Psalms convey uh, that that's contained in that section to try to have a holistic picture of what the Psalms might cover. Last week we talked about Psalm 51, prayer of confession that mm-hmm. David or Psalm of confession that David had after his relationship with Bathsheba, mm. and we spent some time talking about not only Psalms of confession individually and how it applies to our life and our heart, but also how it applies to our church's life as well. Mm-hmm. Thinking through the importance of reading those passages of scripture and that we would set an honest expectation of what it looks like to be a Christian that isn't marked only by times of rejoicing, mm-hmm. but there's times of sorrow and there's times of uh, honest, heartfelt confession of areas of shortcoming. Mm-hmm. And this week we're looking at Psalms 76 to 100. And the Psalm that we're going to look at is Psalm 79, which is a Psalm of lament. Yeah. And Brent didn't have his Bible. I had to go get my sword. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. So here's the deal. Psalms of lament. I don't know. I'm a young guy. So I don't really know much about a lot of things. Yeah. I will say this. I feel like Psalms of lament or the theme of lament 
and broader kind of Christian evangelical culture is talked about, honestly, quite a bit more recently. Yeah. Would you say that would have been true growing up? No. Like, do you think there, could you recall a time where like a church was instructing its congregation to lament? No. And I don't, I mean, even through a lot of my Bible training, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot about, you know, suffering in general as it related to spiritual formation and certainly lament in particular about, you know, how that relates to your walk with God. But you're right. I do think it is, there's definitely been a resurgence of that in a healthy way. Yeah. I think largely healthy. Yeah. So I had a seminary professor one time say, I think I've told you this before, and regarding songs of lament that the church sings, that when 9-11 happened, mm. uh, as a songwriting professor had explained that the broader church had realized we don't have any sad songs in our repertoire right now. Mm-hmm. At least any, you know, contemporary yeah. songs. Yeah, their, I, I'm sure their index of, was pretty small. And that's when uh, Blessed Be the Name came mm. out by Matt Redman. Mm. That was like the first song. And it, you uh, give again, and take away. Yeah, you give and take away. Yeah. Um, so it is kind of, so and I'm not trying to provide a history of songs or psalms of lament, but it feels interesting that it is certainly a neglected, largely neglected area of the Christian life in the scriptures that recently has kind of been talked about more. Yeah, and I think it probably comes out of a a theological time in the church like the 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 lack of was probably a time when mm-hmm. you know, life's good and church growth, it was all about church growth and you know, mega church and positive messaging and you know, the experience of feeling good you know that it's hard to yeah it's hard to grow a church on come and lament and i also do think you got to wonder of like the first thing that i was thinking of is maybe in what ways are my eyes uh biased of what i'm looking at survey of data points of like oh we don't really talk about lament a lot or the church hasn't but like you could probably think of particular demographic churches like you can imagine the christians that were slaves that were probably singing psalms spiritual songs absolutely you think of christians that were being persecuted in different areas i mean that's largely what psalm 79 that we'll look at in a second is about yeah so i I think those comments are probably largely yeah no i've been sort of i've been rebuked a little bit in my soul because i've used this term too like i've said the american church blah 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 and people have been like you're talking about one one fraction yeah. of the American church majority culture. American yeah. Church. There's a, there's a, it, there's a lot more going on, uh, of the church that exists in America that mm-hmm. is not embodying what you're thinking yeah. or have experienced. Yeah. So anyway, and the other thing that's interesting too, is that despite, and I did not check this fact beforehand, I think, and I'm sure if someone's listening, Michael Klutz, I'm sure you're the only one. Snopes. Snopes? Yeah, it's, isn't that like the fact check website? You go, 
Oh, I don't know. I think it's called Snopes. You go and like you can put in anything and it'll be like, no, nah, it's a lie. I thought that was someone uh, listening. Like, who's Snopes? <laughs> they go to church here? Oh, you don't know Snopes? No, I don't oh, know. Wow, you got, we got to do a podcast on Snopes sometime. Uh, the, <laughs> I think like two-thirds of the Psalms are Psalms of Lament. Oh, the fact checker on that is Dr. Dan Estes. I'll be with him next week. I'll he's, ask He's going to be on the show. Did you just ruin a surprise? Oh, my. did I really? I don't know. It's it's all good. I called it the show. The show. Well, <laughs> we'll put. Well, maybe after this, I'll record it and uh, and I edit this. I'll put this. I'll put it in the show notes. There you go. The the actual answer to this. So one of the recent treatments of Psalms of Lament is a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Bur- Mercy by Mark Rogop. Mm-hmm. Have you read it? I've. I don't know if I've read it all, but I've read parts of it. I don't think I've read all of it. Actually, let me take that back. I know I have not read all of it. <laughs> I deliberately remember not reading yeah, it. Yeah, I think same same for me. Here's what I will say, though. It's a book about Rogop is a pastor in Indiana and tells this pretty gut-wrenching story of his wife uh, having a miscarriage very late in their yeah. pregnancy, functionally, you know, stillbirth. And he has this introduction that's grueling as he talks about the emotions that he's feeling and, and basically talks about how the circumstances in his life forced him to find this category of scripture he was largely unaware of. And there's a couple things that I was going to read to help us kind of think about what is uh, a psalm of lament. And uh, hopefully it instructs us as we look at Psalm 79. This is, uh, this is um, some of the things he says from his book. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. Mm. He ends up saying, it's a prayer loaded with theology. Mm. Christians affirm that the world is broken, God is powerful, and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. Mm. To cry is human, Mm. but to lament is Christian. Mm. I thought that was really well said. That is good. So what's interesting, though, about it, and then this is, the, this is some of the last comments I'll say, and then we'll look at Psalm 79 together. He actually talks about, in his own life, as he was communicating his honest struggles and even doubts about God to his brothers and sisters in Christ at, the, um, at that season of life that he was in, he actually said that people uh, were... Um, pretty uncomfortable with the language mm. that he used. He says this, in that journey, we also learned that many Christians like us were unfamiliar, even uncomfortable with lament. Mm-hmm. When occasionally I candidly shared a few of the struggles of my soul, some people reacted with visible discomfort. Others quickly moved to a desperate desire to find the bright side, a quick change of the subject, an awkward silence, or even physically excusing themselves to escape the tension. When people stayed in the conversation, they often responded in unhelpful ways. In moments of attempted comfort, people said things like, I'm sure the Lord will give you another baby. Maybe more people will come to faith because of the death of your daughter. Or the Lord must know that he can trust you with this. Every person meant well, and I appreciate their attempts to address our pain, but it came clear that most people did not know how to join us in our grief. Lament was just not a familiar terrain. Mm. Yeah. It, it strikingly similar to Job, yeah. where his friends... I mean, they take a different angle, but there's got to be an answer. You can't mm-hmm. just like sit in the pain and grief, of, yeah. you know, with them. Like so, yeah. Wow, 
I just thought that was a, an excellent summary of that. Lament is stands the gap between pain and promise. Yeah, and you just wonder like how much, you know, you you talked about a little bit of the, um, you know, experience of church in our own country, but like how much the global church could teach us about a theology of suffering or a theology even of lament. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great point because even as we think about, we've kind of been talking the past couple of weeks about prayers that we have up front, you know, that we lead in uh, either at members meetings or at, mm-hmm. uh, in the congregation, you know, like there are so many people that don't have the privilege of doing this in a microphone, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or, you know, so, and because, you know, those are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We'd be wise to think of how we can grieve with those who mm-hmm. grieve from afar. You yeah. know, I'm sure there's even missionaries our church supports that we could do that on a regular For basis, sure. you know. Sure. So with that being said, that intro to Psalm 79, a psalm of lament. Uh, you want to read it and sure. then we'll just talk about it for a little bit. Yeah. Oh God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They've given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the heavens for food, the flesh of your faithful to the beasts of the earth. They've poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. We've become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will you jealously burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you and on the kingdoms that do not call upon your name, for they have devoured Jacob and laid waste his habitation. Do not remember against us our former iniquities. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you according to your great power. Preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold into the lap of our neighbors, the taunts with which they have taunted you, O Lord. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Amen. Thanks, ma'am. So, as I was looking at this, I, especially as we think through maybe how Psalm 79 and other Psalms of Lament might help us in our prayers of lament, in our family prayer time, in our personal prayer time, when when tragedy or, you know, heartache. I kind of saw four movements here uh, that obviously we don't necessarily need to copycat and make it systematic mm-hmm. like this, this psalm is, but four different parts of, of the psalm. The first, you know, those first four verses... Uh, actually recalling the tragedy Mm -hmm. uh, of itself presenting the you know the actual event that's uh, what happened what happened and the context is actually kind of interesting they're not there's not a subscript here that specifies certainly when this happens we don't know exactly when the context was but provided the explicit language there of they've defiled your holy temple and they've laid Jerusalem in ruins it actually takes us back to what probably was a psalm written during the time when Nebuchadnezzar came in and had destroyed the temple and the city of Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And there's other psalms that provide context of 
exiles, people mm-hmm. that are in different mm-hmm. uh, parts. Uh, they're in Babylon mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but this likely was a psalm written by somebody who actually was an eyewitness mm-hmm. of the destruction of the dwelling place of God. You know, thus long-awaited dwelling place of God. Yeah. And, you know, especially as we've been thinking through the those twin themes throughout the, the scriptures of the Messiah coming and the dwelling place of God. Mm-hmm. This is just after what seems like the dwelling place of God was destroyed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that, that recalling of the tragedies, I mean, this is no small thing that's going on here. Right. And yeah, it's not like you lost the parking spot. Yeah. And I was actually, I was going to get into that. Like, you know, that is one of the things that's really challenging is how to navigate what is, well, let me just throw a pastoral, uh, brain teaser at you how about this got it what how would somebody clarify in their brain something that's worthy of lamenting Mm. to god about Mm. because there could be something that's like i think like an an easy one that maybe uh maybe not an easy one but one that would be certainly different than this situation is something like facing the consequences of a decision that you made that was foolish Mm -hmm. yeah but maybe it does apply. I don't know. I mean, there may be a an aspect of that, of repentance, that would be lament. I mean, I don't know that, like, Psalm 51 would have really been a lament. Um, that was more of like a... True confession. Yeah, true confession of in contrition and repentance. Uh, so I think, though, like if we understand ourselves as image bearers of God and then understand that God made our emotions, because, mm-hmm. you know, you talked about like, in my experience, lament was really not a thing. To some degree, emotions were not even really given much credence. It was sort of like, you can't trust your emotions, they're a roller coaster, so you gotta speak truth to your emotions. And that's that's accurate you know, to some degree, but it's, it was almost dismissive of emotions. Like they're not a thing. Um, but if we're image bearers of God and we've been made with emotions, then God also has emotions. Mm -hmm. And so then when we see like, what did Jesus get angry about or what did Jesus grieve over? So it's like when in some way, when the image of God is being, you know, um, hurt or um yeah i don't know like it's not being what it should or it's not being exhibited the way that it should i think there is a righteous mourning or grieving that actually exhibits or displays the image of god Mm -hmm. in us because we're grieving over things we're lamenting over things that god would would also lament over you know that jesus himself lamented yeah about grieved about yeah i'm even wondering is his prayer on the cross my god my god mm-hmm. why have you forsaken me is that i mean it's certainly lamentish yeah yeah standing between pain and promise for sure granted that's we can that that's a pretty dicey one to kind of dissect yeah. of how much is he quoting from psalm yeah. 22 yeah or yeah and you know big our emotions are always complex too. So it's probably, it's not every necessarily like one always 
always righteous, mm-hmm. you know, in all of whatever. But there can be um, good, you know, good ways to lament and uh, righteous ways that we would do that. I think it's largely when we see, you know, fellow image bearers that are hurting, grieving, sinning, you know, whatever, or even just the the, the curse of sin mm-hmm. in general as that's being demonstrated. So I'm going to speed up a little bit to kind of catch up to that point. Another movement, like right after that, obviously, after recalling the tragedy, there's there's the actual question that kind of comes up, at least in Psalm 79, of saying uh, the the honest question of how long, O Lord? Mm-hmm. And the third after that is recalling on former promises yeah. or on basically God's revealed word of mm-hmm. what he values, which is what you're talking about there. Yeah. What he's value, what he values, and oftentimes lament is centered around like, don't let the peoples think this about you. Mm-hmm. Don't let your reputation be tarnished in this yeah. way. You know. Uh, verse ten says, "Why should the nations say, where is their mm-hmm. God? Mm-hmm. Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes." Mm-hmm. So even there, that challenges and corrects a lot of my prayers to God because the things that upset me typically aren't about God's honor or glory. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they are, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times, you know, a lot of the desires that I have are just selfish. You know, it's not about like the glory of God and, uh, they're not up, you know, they're not uh, praiseworthy things Mm -hmm. to be grieved about. Mm -hmm. You know, they're Mm -hmm. just about, um, times that i'm feeling insecure and yeah. there's times that i like, yeah. want public affirmation yeah. from friends or yeah yeah whatever's like sort of capturing our heart if that's not going well so if god's capturing our heart and we see his name or his purposes or his whatever not you know not being honored then that's a righteous way to lament but mm-hmm. if it's like some circumstance or some thing or some person and that's being threatened, then our emotions come out that way and that, that would not be biblical lament. Yeah. Um, it reminds me somewhat of that passage in James four, uh, verses one and two of why do your, uh, yeah. Why do you, what is it? Why do you, why do your passions, why do you, Gre- like what, what causes quarrels and yeah. fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war, war with each you, other yeah. and that you want, you want, but you don't have, right. Don't Which is actually also an interesting thing because there's probably times where we're lamenting and some of it is for righteous reasons and some of it is for wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, you could, you could be grieving or lamenting a wayward child for the right reasons. And mixed in with that could be mm-hmm. some selfish reasons of, and this makes me look really bad that yeah, this kid is acting this way. Yeah. But you also at the same time want, it's almost to follow like the Lord and, you know, want categorically to, it's a good desire, but perhaps the motive behind it. Is, yeah. Or it's just like trying to untangle that is yeah. complex. So I think even like tr- trying to wait around until we have these perfect feelings of lament is probably not the smartest yep. thing to do because we really won't ever get there necessarily. Yeah. yeah. And some of that's, I mean, thankfully it's not like all of us are, 
typing this out and submitting it. Yeah. You know, it's in some ways, this is kind of like walking through a season of something yeah. that it's yeah. at times yeah. kind of corrects itself. Totally. And the Lord knows our hearts already, you know? Yeah. So I think that's it's not as if the words are like, yeah, God in oh, heaven now says, you, wait, what? Yeah, right. I had right. no idea <laughs> that you were exactly had selfish reasons. Yeah. So then the fourth movement is kind of what makes th- that, that kind of that difference between what Rogop said, to cry is to be human, but to lament is to be Christian. Mm. This last part of the psalm rests in the trust of God, mm. that God is sovereign. He mm-hmm. says in verse 13, but we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your yeah. praise. Yeah, yeah. I think like what you're saying is it would be an interesting, as people are reading through the psalms, to be able to kind of pick out lament psalms based on this formula is a bad word but like structure so like when when they see okay they're talking about a tragedy honestly kind of have an honest conversation with god but then you start to see the psalmist recalling god's character and his faithfulness and it ends in a this statement of trust so i think it'd be cool for people to kind of be able to look at the Psalms and read them. I'm like, ah, maybe this is lament. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's remarkable because if that statistic is true, which we'll check Snopes later. Snopes. He's listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me rephrase that. I'll text Snopes after this. (laughs) But I mean, it's so, uh, it's, it's so instructive that if it is as, you know, pop or is it, if it is as uh, paramount or as present in the Psalms as we think it is, you know, what does that say about our prayer life that it actually gives us the opportunity or even the permission thinking about kind of application wise, what would you encourage somebody that maybe feels like they need to kind of have it all together Mm. as they walk through hard seasons of life? Hmm. I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is just in a really blunt way is that's that's not a Christian way to look at life. Um, it sounds harsh, and I've certainly lived that way for, you know, long periods of time. Um, but it, it's, it's not honest. And uh, so I think starting there... Um, realizing that the Lord is not afraid of our questions and he's not afraid of our emotions and our emotions are legitimate. They're things that God made. Um, and sometimes they can be, take us in sinful directions. And sometimes though, they're really can be leading us to Mm. growth and godliness. So that's on one side, somebody that thinks, I don't have time for emotions mm-hmm. or, or I'm not supposed to express them and mm-hmm. be honest about them. Mm-hmm. What would you say to the other side of the spectrum mm. of somebody that's prone to despair in complete abandonment yeah. of yeah. trusting God? Yeah. Uh, I think sort of what I said before of like, you know, there's something to be said about authenticity and sincerity, but if we wait around for, you know, moving forward in our faith or moving forward in life until we feel completely like we've got 
got all that buttoned up and you know zipped down we're we're not going to grow um then i think also there there is just a a dangerous place of not allowing god's word to speak into those seasons and areas of life um so I mean that it's it's tough because you don't want to dismiss how we feel, but at the same time there is such a a balance of how does God's revealed truth interplay with what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. Um so allowing the former promises of God and the character mm-hmm. of God to inform not to dismiss our feelings, but to inform our feelings and to shape our feelings. Yeah. That, that there's a lot of prayers throughout the old Testament that instruct us in that way that not only are they directed to God, but they also are primarily concerned about God's glory and throughout it, they are calling on the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And lament, again, is right there. Is It's the prayer that stands the gap between pain and promise. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a way that you can call on a promise in your prayers, even though you don't believe it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. some a, a prayer of lament is to say, you know, Lord, you are, you say in your word that you work all things for the good of those that love you. Yeah. And I have a very hard time believing yeah, that. Right and I now. can't imagine how that would happen in this situation. Yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. And uh, again, though, the, the, the posture there, it, again, it, it even kind of reminds me of <laughs> like that, that concluding note is, is basically them is the psalmist saying, I am going to continue to trust you, mm-hmm. even though right now it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of with the disciples in John six, we, um, we talked about it this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Jaden read it in the announcements. Yep. The there is that idea, that tension of uncertainty, and yet you have the words of life. Where else would we go? Mm-hmm. I'll press mm-hmm. on, even though I don't have mm-hmm. all the answers mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I was going to say is that I think it's remarkable that the psalm ends by saying, "From generation to generation, we will mm-hmm. recount your praise." Mm-hmm. That even in this time of uncertainty. There is this hope that yeah. the Lord will redeem it for yeah. the future generations yeah. to say, okay, yeah, you know, my my spiritual, you know, parents, my. Yeah. That's where, like, when Hebrews talks about the great cloud of witnesses, it's not just it is the local church and the greater church, but it's also the historical church of all of this great cloud yeah. of witnesses that have trusted and followed and and obeyed um yeah and and hebrew says you know some of these people were sawn in two and they didn't they didn't see the <laughs> the promise you know yeah. um so there's great examples of people that have suffered well yeah uh just as we close and then we've got a question we can answer I was trying to think of other resources maybe that might be helpful if someone's got, I was trying to think of books that I read or my family read when my mom died. 
this was a book that Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy came up. Mm-hmm. I read, there's a great book I read for seminary called How Long, O Lord mm-hmm. by D.A. Carson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes to the Psalms of Lament. Mm-hmm. And he basically in the book says, you know, even to the most, the strongest of faith people that think all the time, the Lord does us for good. The Lord does us mm-hmm. for good. Mm-hmm. You need to learn to embrace mystery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was I think at times I lean more towards the uh, pride of stoicism. Yeah. Of, uh, okay, I can't let my emotions be revealed. Yeah, or just everything's black and white. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's just not the case. Yeah. Um, there's a book called Untang. I think it's called Untangling Emotions that doesn't really get at this, but maybe more like a biblical perspective on emotions that yeah. okay. might, might be helpful. That's great. All right, well, Rev, we've got one question today. Yep. Question one. Hello. And the only one. Hello. In Psalm 17, David says, You will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed, though people tried to bribe me. I've kept myself from the ways of the violent through what your lips have commanded. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. These are some pretty bold claims. How can this be true? David is a sinner like ourselves, so why does he say that he has not stumbled, transgressed, or planned evil? I can't imagine even the most spiritual and mature that I look up to in my life today saying these things. How should we view this writing from David? Mm-hmm. I This isn't the only place that he does this. Um, and it's funny because like I, I, even when I'm reading through the Psalms and I come to a Psalm like this, I'll be like, well, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I have transgressed and I have done this. I I think this is sort of Job-like in the sense that he, he's not necessarily speaking about his entire life because Psalm 51 and many other Psalms, you know, where he speaks of his sin. I, I think it's speaking about maybe a specific situation where, you know, Job could say, you know, I'm innocent here, but that doesn't mean he's innocent in that greater sense of the word. Um, so at times David could say, well, I actually didn't do anything wrong here, but stuff's happening to me or whatever. Um, I don't know. That That's kind of what I would say. Yeah, that's about as good as I could say. No. Actually, I would say it's slightly slightly less... <laughs> than what I would have said. <laughs> but I think for now that'll Slight, suffice. Slightly better. But we can yeah, we can I mean, leave it there. Yeah, we'll, we'll just leave it there. All right, you want to you wanna pray for yeah. our church and anyone listening? Yep. Father, thanks for the time. Thank you for the Psalms of Lament. Uh, help us to grow in our uh, honesty, but also in our trust in you and uh, grow us in that process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks, man.